Arthur Means Rule of Two. This is the Count the Things Patreon exclusive podcast that is about Star Wars and Star Wars things, and specifically for us, The Mandalorian Season 2. Maze, it's, it's been a crazy season, man. I, I, I've been explaining this to my friends. And I said, Season 1 seemed to be introducing us to a bunch of new characters. And Season 2 seems to be about play the hits. Bring back people that we know and love from the Star Wars universe, and let's get right into it. This isn't a spice dream, I mean. This is not a spice dream, <laughs> indeed. And, and so here we are, Chapter 14, Episode 6. This is the Boba Fett episode that people have waited for for so long. It's called The Tragedy. It might as well have been called Boba Fett. Kind of gave a lot away, too, with the tragedy title. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. Grogu gets kidnapped. Maze, where do you want to start with this? Let's do this. You do a little a little quick rundown for the people, reminding them of what happened in the episode. First off, written by Jon Favreau, as usual, <laughs> and directed by Robert Rodriguez. Oh, he of Grindhouse fame. Grindhouse fame, Sin City, Machete, Spy Kids, El Mariachi. Wait, hold on. He did Spy Kids? He's done it all, man. Wow, I didn't know Robert Rodriguez had that kind of uh, range, I guess you would call it. And my first question is just, do you think that there's like a traditional writer's room for Mandalorian? Or is it just Favreau and Filoni in a cave somewhere? I don't know, man. Especially when you talk about some of these... Did Favreau write all of them for season one or? So the only other writers credited on IMDb is actually who's going to write and direct next week's episode, Rick Famuyiwa. Yeah. And he did chapter two and chapter six. Yes. And he's credited with a writing credit, but that's it. There's no, like, do they have people working on this stuff that just don't get credited or do they not bring anybody in? If they don't, that's incredible. I'm fairly sure that they've got, like, I know from, from Clone Wars, for instance, that Filoni has a, a team of nerds. I know this because uh, Filoni once said, like, when I met him, and he knew we were from ESPN, he was like, finally, I got to get away from these nerds. I need somebody to talk. None of these people follow any sports. And then he he stood there and he talked to us for 40 minutes. And mostly he talked to Jade because he's a huge hockey fan mm-hmm. and uh, a huge Pittsburgh a Penguins fan and Jade has a great knowledge of hockey pre like 1996 or something. Yes. So, so this guy was getting like, Oh my God, someone finally knows and everything. But like little did he know if he just ventured a little bit into the future, Jade would have been ass out. But it was, it was the weirdest thing because, you know, they set the whole thing up so that I could meet him. And then the guy's like, finally, some sports people. And then he wants to talk about hockey. And, of course, I know nothing about hockey. So I just stood there with a dumb look on my face, trying to figure out when the perfect juncture was. Switch it back to Star Wars. Ask my nerd Star Wars questions. And then as he went on and on, I was like, I can't do this now. This is like, he respects me by proxy. The moment I opened my mouth and say, an episode, I was like, it would have killed it. It would have killed my, my swag. So. I I did not do anything. By the way, Rick Famuya, uh, Famuyiwa, I don't know how to say his last name, oddly enough. But Rick is actually, a, a, I discovered this, no shit, like maybe two or three weeks ago, Maze. I was watching one of my favorite movies of all time. It's called The Wood. Have you ever seen it? I've not seen The Wood. It's got Omar Epps. It's got Tay Diggs. 
it's a coming of age story about a kid growing up in Inglewood. He just moved there from North Carolina in the in the 80s, right? And you know, kind of fish out of water stuff. But I remember watching it in college and saying, "This movie speaks to me, man." Like it, it, it was just so realistic. It wasn't like your typical movies in the hood movies. Like it, it felt more real to me, at least. Maybe just. I related to it more than other movies, but I'm watching it again. Cause I, it's so funny and so well done. And then I'm the credits come on as I written and directed by Rick. Famuy. I'm like, Oh shit. The motherfucker did the, the Mandalorian. Yeah. I love his 2015 movie. Dope. Dope. Yeah. That was an excellent movie. Really good. Brown sugar is another one that you may recognize. Brown sugar is the one with Tay Diggs and Sanaa Lathan where Tay Diggs plays like a music executive or whatever. And they talk about hip hop in very backpackerish ways, but it's a great movie. It's a great movie. It's a funny movie, great soundtrack. But anyways, yeah, those are the only guys. Those are the only guys I believe, but they, they have to have people who are supplying some of this. Maybe it's canon stuff to throw in much. Like if you think about the writer's room at family guy, like some people are working on the overall story of the episode. And then some people are literally just writing the gags. You need people to write the gags, right? I like the idea of a closet full of nerds drawing a bunch of strings between push pins on a board, <laughs> keeping the nuts and bolts of the Mandalorian intact. At the same time, Filoni's kind of that guy. Filoni's a guy that people turn to in Star Wars. Like when they were making those movies, they would go consult with Filoni, like, yo, can this happen or has this ever happened and stuff like that. And he's kind of like, the in-house magister when it comes to deciding what, what counts as canon and what does, or at least, you know, confirming, you know, they may want to take it in a different direction. Anyways. This episode is guest starring Tamura Morrison as Boba Fett. We saw him previously in the first episode of this season. We also saw him when, Maze? The end of Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. We saw his boots. And also, is he not the same actor that played... And he's Jango Fett yeah. from Attack of the Clones. Yeah. And again, like that's the cool thing about Star Wars where they film things in this kind of weird sequential thing that people end up aging and being the right age anyway. So, for instance, Emperor Palpatine in the original trilogy, 4, 5, and 6, was a young man that's such a <laughs> an old disfigured man, that's right? So, so weird. Yeah, all the prosthetics and all that stuff. So then when they make the prequels, he's actually the right age. He's exactly the right age that what Palpatine would be. So he doesn't have to have any kind of stuff. Yeah, Ian McDiarmid. Ian McDiarmid, there there you go. So very cool stuff there with, with time being used to give us a little bit more kind of texture because the guy like, well, he looks like Django Fett aged and kind of withered and also scarred and bald and all the other type of shit. Ming-Na Wen returns as Fennec Shan, who was left for dead at the end of Chapter 5, The Gunslinger. Giancarlo Esposito, of course, as Moff Gideon. And unlike my prediction, I mean, this was not a filler episode. This was all killer, no filler. Hey, how about that? So we start in the cockpit. Grogu's playing with the ball. Mando keeps saying Grogu, and he just, he makes a, oh! He looks at him, makes the cute face. Yeah. Says Dank Ferrick when Grogu uses the Force. He says it kind of like usually we've heard Dank Ferrick as a a curse, kind of like a like, oh, fuck, like 
And this is the first time we heard it, like, in the positive way. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, Grogu, not so sure that it's a positive thing. <laughs> he has to be reassured. Yeah, absolutely. Mando calls Ahsoka a nice lady, which I thought was <laughs> funny. <laughs> it's like, all right. How do you explain that to a child, right? Like, <laughs> oh, he's a nice, she's a nice lady. But Mando's still not too keen for full custody. I mean, he's still thinking that he can drop this kid off with some Jedi eventually and that grogu is too powerful to be trained by him and that's that's the whole point of going to tython which uh what we told you last week uh tython in the legends in the non-canon version of star wars that happened prior to the disney purchase was the location of the first jedi temple now it's kind of just an old jedi holy site and so they're going there with the the idea that he's going to see a vision or it's going to send out a beacon and the Jedi will come find them, and then, you know, Mando's cool. They pull up to the temple, or Magic Rock, as he calls it. Mando asks Grogu, does this look Jedi to you? <laughs> Puts him on a rock, then looks for an on button, because that's how these things work. And when Slave One, Boba Fett's iconic ship, comes into land, Mando turns his back, and when he turns back, Grogu's in a meditative force field, I mean. Yeah, shout out to Grogu, really, you know, get his stroke on there kind of looked like he was really in the midst of a one power power slide there but you know the the again i always love how they reinforce the fact that mando knows nothing about this shit he doesn't he's like come on you know like force it force it up bro we're at the magic rock do the fancy hand thing that's always fun and and the other part of it is again the simultaneous kind of concept we have to have about Grogu, which is A, he's a child, he's a damn near an infant, and also B, he's been through this shit before. Like, extensively at the Jedi uh, Temple on Coruscant. Mando and Boba come face to face. Mando asks if he's a Jedi or after the child, but Boba is here for his armor. He's decked out like a Tusken Raider. He's got the spear and the long gun. So clearly, he killed the Tuscan Raider and took that. Or maybe he like befriended them. Why? Why is it got to be? Why is it always got to be negative, Maze? <laughs> Hi guys. It's a freaking bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Big question here, though. Why couldn't Boba just go get his armor from Cobb Vanth himself? That's a good question. If he's that much of a badass, right? And he's had a couple years, at least three. Maybe he didn't find him, but I feel like if he saw Cobb Vanth with the armor, he would have just killed him. I would say this. I would say he probably was pretty fucked up. Like I look, he survived the, the Sarlacc, but like I got to assume you don't just like just walk out whistling like, "Oh, that was that was scary." Like he's probably had to recuperate on some level. And so I'm imagining that's why he just wasn't quite ready. But now he is, apparently. And I guess he could have got it for Cobb Vance, but maybe he was planning on getting it, and then that was when Mando came and got it. And so here he is. It just occurred to me as I'm editing this that Boba's armor was with the Jawas for who knows how long before Cobb Vanth traded for it. And so maybe Boba was looking for it, but he couldn't find it because the Jawas had it. Mando asks him if he's Mandalorian. Boba answers with a very interesting line. He says, I'm a simple man making his way through the galaxy like my father before me, mm. which is part quoting his own father from Attack of the Clones when he's asked by Obi-Wan, 
like, you know, who he is and all that. He tells Obi-Wan, I'm just a simple man making my way through the galaxy or making his way through the galaxy. And then the like my father before me is a reference to Luke Skywalker saying that uh, to the Emperor in Return of the Jedi when he throws his lightsaber away and says, I'm not going to fight. I'm not going to join you. I'm a pacifist. I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Great merging of those two classic lines. And gives Boba an ethos, one that we never had from the original trilogy. What does ethos mean? I'm not too, I'm not too smart. Ethos is like a, a code or like a core drive. No, I, I would say he's had a core drive. It's never been verbalized. Not since episode three, is that what you said? Or episode two? Yeah, I mean, not in the original trilogy. He's just a, a raw bounty hunter. Yeah, he's just a bounty hunter in the original trilogy, and then they retcon his backstory to be about the anger about the death of his father at the hands of the Jedi. Daddy issues. Star Wars, baby. <laughs> they are good for that. Jango Fett's armor in Attack of the Clones looked a lot more like Mando's than it does like Boba's. So did he take it to West Coast Customs? How do you paint Beskar? Well, of course, Beskar is paintable because even the, the Mandalorians, some of them will have blue paint and all types of stuff like that. Okay, so there's like a, there's an armor out there who paints your armor whatever color you want. For a few calamari flan. Yeah, or, or it's funny. I'm watching Clone Wars again with my kids because the the twins, they've never seen Clone Wars. So uh, we're, we're me and my oldest are watching with them, and the last episode they had was this civil war on the planet of Moncala between the Moncalamari and the Quarren, and it's it turns out the separatists are behind it, and you know it's a lot of rabble rousing and stuff, but. uh also, good good reason to watch Clone Wars because it really fleshes out Boba Fett's childhood. I, I my my friend Om Young Masuk, who works for ESPN, he covers the Clippers for ESPN. Was one of like when he knew that they were going to start doing standalone like anthology movies. Like, oh, they need to have a Boba Fett movie. I said, Om, they already did like the whole fucking childhood of this dude in Clone Wars, where it shows like where he goes after Episode Two after seeing the death of his father and how he falls in with the bounty hunters and, and he becomes a, a little badass in his own right. Mando recognizes Fennec, who's aiming at Grogu. They put down their guns. For some reason, Mando agrees to put down his jetpack, Chekhov's jetpack. Fate sometimes steps in to rescue the wretched, Boba says. Fennec reveals that she's got some robot abs, courtesy of Boba. He saved her life. Yeah, as always in Star Wars, man, they, nobody's actually like, they catch you in time. They can fix you up between Bacta uh, and cybernetics. Remember, like, Darth Vader is mostly cybernetics. General Grievous is almost entirely cybernetics. Like, General Grievous is so rebuilt by machine that... You might mistake him as a droid. He's actually a person in there. Yeah, I actually was going to ask you about that. I thought he was a droid. Like, no, he's not. What part of it is human? Like his brain? His head and his brain, yeah. Interesting. Grievous has been through some shit. <laughs> that's, just, that's a long story, but Grievous has been through some shit, and basically he just had everything rebuilt to, you know, to, in order to survive. So the idea of Fennec Shan not quite being dead or being rescued isn't that far-fetched again. This is what's great about having a show that's co-written by Dave Filoni is the idea that, like, they're not going to do anything that's not going to follow the the canon of Star Wars. Right when they're about to come to terms on a deal, 
Boba says he will protect the child and Mando. No harm will come to them. An Imperial dropship shows up and deploys stormtroopers. And this is when this episode turns into a video game. I mean, stage one. Oh, my God, man. I felt like I was playing Battlefront. Where there's just wave upon wave of stormtrooper and you just got to fucking gun them down. And then as soon as you think you're done, here comes another wave of stormtroopers. And uh, as always, the stormtroopers have terrible 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 aim <laughs> uh i saw uh, jason concepcion formerly of the ringer is he is he with anyone now or do you know crooked media crooked media there you go jason tweeted out a question oh here we go oh no no that's that's a question from nando via our our own nando via Nando, who asked, what's the deal with accents in the Star Wars universe? Why did they make John Boyega speak with an American accent, even though he's British, while Daisy Ridley kept her British accent? Who gets what? And I said, there's no in-canon explanation. My guess is they created characters with a sound in mind, and actors auditioned for the look and sound. Nando! Here we go. Good to see you, my friend. (laughs) That's pretty well done. All right, here we go. Question from Jason, a.k.a. Network on Twitter. Do we think the issue with the stormtroopers' aim can be solved by improved training or no? And I said, stormtroopers are what happen when you go quantity over quality. They don't take train, they don't take time to train them because they are inherently expendable, much like the separatist Roger Roger droids before them. It's kind of funny how nobody gave a shit about my answer. No, no. No replies, no likes, no retweets, nothing. Everyone's just like, all right, fuck. the fodder. <laughs> no one's here for answers. We're just here to get these jokes off. But yeah, Stormtroopers, ladies and gentlemen, if you wonder why they're fucking terrible, and this might be retcon again to explain away like how campy episode four was. But this is the deal, man. They just, they fucking grow these people on a farm. They get them, they put a blaster in their hands. And like their their lives are so meaningless they don't even have names. I'm like, come on, man! Like it's it ain't it, it's it's not this ain't hard, right? And the reason why they do that is because, like I said, expendability. So they're just there to to die basically, throw waves at you, and hoping that your their volume overcomes your accuracy. And then there are other recourses that are of a higher caliber, right? Like death troopers, for instance. Death troopers are are hard to beat. If you played Fallen Order, you've you've also encountered the Purge troopers, which again these are really really uh, more elite versions of the, the stormtroopers. And then obviously the highest level is the Praetorian Guard. Those are the guys in the red that guard the Emperor, who guarded uh, Emperor Snow, uh, you know, Supreme Leader Snoke, et cetera, et cetera. So the guys that you're seeing here. They are literally like private dumbass. Here's a blaster. Go out into the field. Live and die gloriously. One of the stormtroopers has the orange shoulder pad to indicate rank. You see him yelling at his subordinates. Flank them, you idiot. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole. Boba (laughs) brutally beats the shit out of some stormtroopers with his Tusken staff. There's a yellow stormtrooper with a mortar. Other troopers are setting up a repeating blaster. And Fennec runs away from it and then eventually takes it out by kicking out a giant boulder, I mean, which is, of course, an Indiana Jones reference. Yeah, I love the cross-disciplinary uh, Easter eggs. More Boba staff work. Then he sees the Razorcrest door sitting open and is 
brawled by the vision of his armor sitting there. Fennec takes out the remaining troops spectacularly, and then another dropship shows up. Stage two. Yeah, boy, they fucking. Re- I, I, if you played any of these games, you know how like, oh Jesus Christ, like I just, I just needed to catch my breath. Let's get some exposition here. You guys want me to kill some more people? By the way. Why didn't Mando pick up his deck pack again? Because it was because it was it was he like needed to put it down because if he had it later, he'd be too fast. It was it was annoying. I know. But like once once the shit got popping, why didn't he just pick it back up? Yeah. First move. Get your jetpack back. Especially when you have the fucking laser proof Beskar. Like, you know, you could take a couple of hits while you while you like re re, uh, you know reassemble that shit or whatever and also was it there the whole time do you think or did someone pick it up i was just sitting there i mean i hope he got it back before they left yeah (laughs) meanwhile mando has just been passed out because he tried to go pick up grogu and got thrown by the force field and so he gets up after the entire first wave is over he tries to pick up grogu again and then finally gives up says he's gonna go protect him and right when he leaves force field down and grogu you know he's tired yeah grogu's gotta take a nap that kind of fucking sucks, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was it was bad timing, I would say, on on Mando's part in this episode. But I, I feel him. He's like he's trying to let it yo, like the shit the shit's going down. We gotta go, and this motherfucker's out here like busting the greatest nut ever, intergalactic nut. And then he literally skeets the moment Mando leaves, and then goes to sleep. So unfortunate fennec surrounded mando shows up and deploys the whistling birds they're still surrounded mando's taking heavy fire and then the thermal detonator rolls in and the insanely epic boba got his armor back sequence starts how about that how about how about you know my favorite part is when he he lets loose with the back rocket mm. which like first of all that's the coolest thing about boba fett is that little sight that he has it's up that looks like an antenna but really is it's just a sight and he drops it down, and he looks through it, and <laughs> it just doesn't seem like a very practical, what, what's this shit called? Ergonomic, yeah. <laughs> the ergonomics of this isn't very practical. The idea that he's like, okay, got you in my sights. All right, let me let me bend over. Let me bend forward real quick. I mean, couldn't it go up and then around? Like, why does it got to go in a straight line? But no, nah, no, Bobo comes in and he kicks ass, man, and and... I imagine that's for all the nerds who are like, oh, my God, Boba Fett's my favorite character. Ohm is one of those people, by the way. And I just never <laughs> got it. It's like the guy's got like three scenes. Why do why do people idolize Boba Fett? And he's like, oh, it's because of the fucking the uniform or whatever, the, 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 the armor. And I'm just like, but that's like every Mandalorian. It looks exactly like Mandalorian armor. To be fair, Ohm loves the Mandalorians. He loves all of them. He, he got a huge crush on uh, Sabine. Yeah, Sabine Wren. He's got a huge crush on her. So I'm like, all right. Duly noted. But I, got never, I, never, I never got into it. I never, like, they're all right. I'm all right. I mean, this sequence right here was cooler than any Boba Fett movie they could have made. Right. And, and by the way, this is like, I understand, although I would disagree and say more people, but there are way, way more examples of badassery from this guy. but. People make the same argument with Darth Vader. Darth Vader doesn't really do a whole lot of shit. Like, not a whole lot of shit in the original trilogy. But then in Rogue One, we see, like, oh, that's what it looked like. Like, that's what everyone's afraid of. That or in Rebels when he's fighting, uh, obviously, Ahsoka or, or Ezra and Kanan. So 
I get it, but I just feel like there's enough other examples of Vader just being a badass. Whereas Boba's like, what? He's fucking just nodding and shit, right? Like <laughs> we see him, we see him on the Star Destroyer when when Vader says no disintegrations. We see him in Cloud City, just hanging out basically the whole time, complaining about like he's no good to me, dead, and all that shit, right? And then we see him again at in Return of the Jedi where he's at the at the cantina, not at the cantina, at Boba's, uh, at Jabba's, like, uh, palace, and he's hollering at hoes and shit, right? And then the last time we see him, he's getting his ass beaten, thrown into the Sarlacc. So I'm like, why is everyone, like, fucking all up in arms about this guy? They got active imaginations, I mean. They sure do, and they got paid off. Now, all those active imaginations got paid off with this great fight scene. So I looked at a description of all of Boba's, like, gadgets and stuff and he, they went through and used every single thing that he's got yep. so but i love that they started off with him just backhanding a stormtrooper <laughs> he fucking hit the shit out of that dude, slaps yeah. the shit out of him and he's just blasting him he uses his wrist rockets then there's like the sonic beam weapon noise and he uses it to like punch this dude and launch him 15 feet next up he's got these knee pad rockets that he shoots and then he finishes off with this like no look, punches with his left hand, shoots with his right hand, shot. And the stormtroopers are scared shitless, I mean. They want no part of this. That's the part about being a stormtrooper that I never really got. Like, I get that they're terrible because they're not trained because they're there for volume. But, like, the idea that Finn is, like, one of the few, Finn and that chick from the last one, that nobody's ever going to remember her name because we don't care. Like, there's such a small minority of people like, fuck this shit. Like, they really, they, why are you guys so down for this cause? As they're taking off, he uses his targeting computer like you talked about, launches a concussion missile, and hits the further dropship, which crashes into the other one. They both come down to the planet Tython and explode as he looks back at the camera. That is just a beautiful, beautiful moment there. Mando says, nice shot. Boba says, I was aiming for the other one. Ha-ha! Oh, I'm such a badass. Oh, like... Oh, you thought that was that was expert analysis, you know, expert targeting? No, that was actually trash on my part. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's a, it's the <laughs> motherfucker that that plays pickup ball and refuses to call foul. Fuck you, <laughs> fuck you. You're not, you don't impress me. Moff Gideon doesn't miss though, as a huge laser comes down from the sky and blows the Razor Crest to shit. Yeah. So much for Mando's ship. It's gone. Boba takes off, goes back to Slave One. And we see that Moff Gideon's Imperial Cruiser is overhead. Right when Mando races back towards Grogu, Gideon deploys the Dark Troopers, which are like souped-up battle droids that we talked about last episode. And there's a whole little sequence where they come flying in, and robot walk towards Grogu, and Grogu looks all scared. And just before Mando can get there, because he doesn't have his jetpack, I mean, they take off. Yeah, that's the part where you kind of wanted that... that to put that on buddy right before right before like the battle start because you never know you never know when you're going to need a jetpack but the 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 other thing maze that we still don't know for sure is in legends the dark troopers are force sensitive right and we have reason to believe from obviously the scene in the last episode, or is it two episodes ago? The experiments. Yes, the experiments of Moff Gideon is overseeing what's happening there. And we kind of see glimpses of what we thought were dark troopers and were 
conform, confirmed to be dark troopers. There's something force foresee about these people, right? Yeah, and we don't. We can assume that it's probably a early version of these dark troopers. Yes, and that this might even have been their first deployment. We don't know. So they could have very primitive use of the force or something like that. And that could probably be used in the next couple episodes. And maybe it's just for detecting purposes, right? Detection purposes, which we, we've had that before in Star Wars in the form of the Inquisitors. Where they, they were taught to seek out and destroy uh, or convert force-sensitive children Um for their for their own evil plans, and they, obviously they were Jedi hunters as well. They're you know, so maybe they're, they're there to seek out, maybe not to destroy Force sensitive, but to bring them back because we also believe that there is an element of this is part of the resurrection of the Emperor that you know we obviously we saw in Rise of Skywalker. Boba could shoot them down in his ship, but Mando doesn't want Grogu to get hurt. And then when Boba sees Gideon's cruiser, he says, the Empire is back. This isn't a spice dream. Yeah, and that's, first of all, like, I would have thought, like, oh, you, you've seen some stormtroopers at some point. No, maybe they haven't been to Mos Eisley. The Outer Rim is, is crazy. But I was just like, oh, now you figured this shit out? <laughs> like after you saw the big ass fucking star destroyer like all these stormtroopers would you think they were doing this for their help yeah i guess that, that kind of felt more like it was for the audience than for boba yeah hey, hey, hey. the empire's back can yeah. it still be the empire if the emperor is dead i guess we know that he isn't and again before rise of skywalker just shot everything to high hell if you played Battlefront, you know about Operation Cinder, which was kind of a uh, contingency plan devised by Emperor Palpatine to ensure that the Empire and its enemies did not outlive him should he ever perish. But, again, given what happened with Rise of Skywalker, I feel like Operation Cinder just becomes like this thing that's not quite as important and as as Forefront. And so... It turns into Project Resurrection, I guess, which would be the the other version of that. But yeah, so long live the Empire, as Moff Gideon said at the end of the episode uh, where we saw the Mandalorians. So do you think Moff Gideon reports to anybody, or is he just... Because he, his ship, the Imperial Cruiser, is indicative that he was an outer rim Moff during the Empire... Do you think that he's reporting to anyone or that he's just kind of every like a bunch of chaos happened and he's kind of rounded up a, a squadron and he's running shit in his own particular area? I think, you know, that's a good question, Maze. I wonder about that, whether this is just he's a warlord because they've talked about this in the past. These former imps, these are just warlords and all that. But he seems to be operating with a level of sophistication and planning that's a little bit above what a warlord well, a warlord just wants power right he wants to keep flexing muscle and, and keep keep uh ownership of the terrain he, co- he he covers and what we've got with gideon i think is you know when you talk about the child and the experimentations and the dark troopers this is this is well beyond yeah it seems like scope. big picture stuff yeah yeah and so i i would imagine he's executing some Operation Cinder-like plan on behalf of the Emperor, you know, kind of like a contingency plan, like, yo, 
this shit should happen to me. Do this, do this, do this. Which again, you know, when you think about the Star Wars TV series, whether it's Rebels or uh, Clone Wars, they exist in part to retcon and flesh out kind of weaker stories that were pushed forward by the movies, right? Mm -hmm. So in that context, this makes sense that him being a, a longer con, so to speak, exists basically to make Rise of Skywalker look better and more kind of cohesive and not just a spice dream. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I, I feel the need we have to explain what that means. Uh, so in Star Wars, the main narcotic is called spice. If you've ever heard of Han Solo talking about doing the Kessel Run in 15 parsecs or whatever it is, it's he wasn't just doing it. He was smuggling spice. Spice is 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 uh, a, ske a schedule one substance in the Star Wars world. We see uh, the Pike, uh, which is an organized crime family. They control the spice game. We've seen them in Clone Wars. We've seen them in Rebels. Uh, we've seen Wookiees being imprisoned at a, at a work camp on in Kessel at the spice mines. It's a bad thing to do. Like you don't want to work there. Uh, but apparently it's very, very lucrative and people, you know, like to get high on it. And so when Boba says this isn't a spice dream or whatever, they saying basically, you're not just, you're not high. <laughs> and it should be noted that that's almost certainly taken from Dune. Yes, that's so I hear. I've never watched Dune, so I don't know. The only items remaining from the Razor Crest are Grogu's little ball and the Beskar spear. Boba reveals his holographic chain code that shows that he owned it and Django owned it and that Django was a Mandalorian foundling and he pledges to return the child and help Mando. Mando is crewing up. Good thing because his ship just got wrecked, so he needs some transportation. They all go back to Navarro, where Marshal Cara Dune has joined the New Republic. Mando says, hey, do you have access to the prison registry? <laughs> Hey, why not? I gotta look up my man Miggs Mayfeld, aka Bill Burr, who's spending 50 years in the Carthon chop fields, and somehow Mayfeld will be able to find Moff Gideon's ship. I was wrong by one episode, I mean. Yeah, you, you called it. You definitely called it last week. A uh, couple of things real quick. The Boba Fett chain code, talking about the Civil War on Mandalore. Here's the deal. Mandalore, Mandalorians are warlike people, so they've had a shit ton of Civil Wars. I'm guessing that this one, ha I mean, in order for Django Fett to have been able to fight in it, 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 it had to have been a long time ago. But basically, you know, when you talk about Mandalorian Civil War, uh, Mandalore seems to be always in this tug of war between, yo, we're a warlike people, we like war, let's go fight and fuck up people. And, yo, the other side, which is that we don't need to be doing that shit unless, unless necessary. It's like, it's is our culture about violence or not? I guess in many ways, man, it's like America. And so <laughs> it's a n normal thing. But also we know that the person who wields the dark saber is the, the rightful ruler of Mandalore. So that's, that's some shit that is very important to them, regardless of whether they're fighting or not. Cardoon says she has rules to follow now when Mando is trying to recruit her. For the prison break episode next week. Uh, let me just say this right now. I, we're not going to do this because it is way too 
long and and intricate for a little payoff. But just know when they're looking through the database, through all the prisoners, every one of those prisoners has a name and has a sentence and where they're sentenced to. You can kind of extrapolate little backstories, including a couple of guys, one humanoid and one Tuscan Raider who both have the same exact name. Which I thought was a nice touch. It's just another example of how much kind of detail the Star Wars people put into these things. It's just like when I've discovered that every single character that appears on screen in the Star Wars movies has a name and a backstory. And if you buy like the the, the graphic uh, encyclopedia for each movie, they'll tell you who the guy is and what his backstory is. And then usually they get fleshed out either in the comics or the books or if we're really lucky in the TV shows. This is why I think there has to be a writer's room. Like they have to be pawning this work off onto oh, someone. Of course. <laughs> of course. So Kara says she has rules to follow now, but Mando says they have the kid, and she has a look on her face, and all I can think of, I mean, is, you son of a bitch, I'm in. Rick Sanchez, you son of a bitch. Need some people for a thing, Clark. <gasps> Sanchez, you son of a bitch. I'm in. Hey, hey, Trucula! You son of a bitch, I'm in. Your skills are required for a job. You, you son, son of a bitch, bitch, I'm in. Your skills are required for a job. You son of a bitch, I'm in. What? Your skills are required for a job. Well, they aren't. You son of a bitch, I'm in. You son of a bitch, I'm in. I'm in! I'm in! What's the job? I'm in! I'm out! I quit! Whose kidneys are these? Still got it. You sons of bitches. What's the job? <laughs> yeah, she did have that look on her face, right? Back on the Imperial Cruiser, Moff Gideon goes to check on Grogu, who is toying around with two stormtroopers that are watching him, just throwing them into each other like ragdolls. And Gideon has this smug little smile on his face. He's delighted by this. And all I could think of is, good, good, good. You've gotten very good with that, but it makes you oh so sleepy. Oh my god. (laughs) He said it it was so condescending. I was like, oh Grogu, wake up and slap him with the force. Uh how about Grogu employing what many would believe to be dark side of the force type tactics, right? The force choke, throwing people around. That's not the way of the Jedi. Yeah, that is what has been on everybody's mind since Ahsoka said that he was too emotionally attached to Mando is, are we going to get Darth Grogu? Darth Grogu, definitely. This origin story would be equally interesting either way to me. And I don't think it's like an open and shut case. I think he could, you know, battle with it. You know what I what I think is going to happen? I don't know if I said this on the pod last week. But I think Grogu eventually grows up and joins the Luke Skywalker Academy for Gifted Youth. And then is summarily burnt to a crisp by fucking his roommate, Ben Solo. <laughs> so that's like 20 years from now or yeah. something like that? Because we, we did the math, right? We figured out like every year of the Grogu species life is 10 years of our own, mm-hmm. you know, which makes sense. Like Yoda lived to over 900, which is basically like 90 years old, which makes sense, right? 
uh, in the Clone Wars around then, he would have been a 70-year-old man or so. So, again, makes sense. And so it makes sense that Grogu is behaves like a five-year-old, even though he's 50 years old. And so that would mean that, you know, by the time the Luke Skywalker Academy for Gifted Youth opens, and it's not called that, I'm just being a dick, then Grogu would probably be around like... 70-something. Seven years old. Yeah, so seven years old, eight years old, something like that. So so when Grogu is at the Luke Skywalker Center for Kids Who Can't Force Good and want to learn yeah. how to do other stuff good too, is he training with Ben Solo or is he like mad that Ben Solo is like the head of the class? Oh, I, I think it's the opposite, man. It's like he's probably the asshole that gets Ben Solo to start acting like an asshole. But then you know how like the new asshole takes it too far? <laughs> Like the original <laughs> asshole was like, "Hey, wouldn't it be fun if we just like scare everybody?" He's like, yeah, let's burn down the whole school. Like, what? No, I'm just <laughs> like, you know, put like a pushpin under Master Luke's chair. What are you talking about, man? This guy. Moff Gideon shows him the dark saber. Grogu tries to touch it, and Moff Gideon says, "You'll put your eye out, kid." Like it's a Christmas story. Then they stun him, the seldom used stun feature yeah. on these blasters, and puts him in the cutest little handcuffs i've ever seen <laughs> you know what's funny i always wonder about like the stun circumference is so huge huge wouldn't they be better off just trying to stun everybody instead of trying to shoot them to kill it just seems yeah it seems way more effective honestly like seldom used for a reason they use it way more on star trek i guess they're not paid to think uh maybe <laughs> <laughs> just, just blast Man says stun, I stun. Man says blast, I blast. Then he says to contact Dr. Pershing. They have the donor, and that is it. And it was only like 28 minutes. Yeah, it was a quick one. Not a lot of Easter eggs. Basically just that Django was a foundling and fought in the Mandalorian Civil War. That's all I really got. One of my favorite pieces of dialogue involving Stormtroopers. I don't know why I'm so stuck on Stormtroopers this week. Obviously, Rogue One was has a very special place for me. I, I do I do enjoy it so much because, uh, as I called it when it came out, it's a movie about middle management. It's no one's special. No one has any superpowers. Nobody knows anybody. Nobody's connected. Everyone's trying to either convince their dumbass bosses to listen to me, I'm, I know what I'm up to, or impress their dumbass bosses. And so there's a bit where they're on Scarif, and the guys are walking around, and the one says to the other, you're about the VT-16s? They might be they about to be obsolete or whatever. And they're just like, oh, the VT-15 being made obsolete. And it's just one of the most obscure Easter eggs ever, but it's also tied to the conversation in A New Hope when Obi-Wan is trying to deactivate the, the tractor beam. The guys are talking about you seen that new VT-16? <laughs> so, so it's just like, it's the mundane conversation. But again, this is who we're dealing with. We're dealing with fucking people who are not educated and not trained. And they're fucking bored most of the time. And that's why you get the conversation maze in season one of The Mandalorian between, I know one of them is, is Sudeikis. Oh, that was the best. Adam Pally and Jason Sudeikis. Oh, my God. It puts it all into perspective. Like, well, I guess those guys are scout troopers, but it's just, it's just ridiculous, man. It's the, the conversation is so dumb 
but it, it, yeah, it's so funny. Shout out to Stormtroopers, man. I, I like Stormtroopers. I, I've learned to appreciate them. So what do we think is happening next, Maze? You get the band back together? Next week, breaking Bill Burr out of prison. Yeah. And I think that's probably going to be the whole thing is just doing that. And he's going to, it looks like he's rounding up a little crew here. Yeah. You know, we're, we're almost to the Magnificent Seven, if you know what I'm saying. Now, you said Rick Famuya is writing and directing next episode, right? Mm-hmm. He's the one that did the, the original Prison Break one. Yes, he did the last Bill Burr episode. Yep, so that that makes sense. Like, I like how they're turning to like, okay, you're the expert on the prison one. Hey, Peloni, you're the expert on the, the Jedi one. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, you're the expert on the filler episode. <laughs> yeah, for real. Although her episode this year was better, but that's that's what I'm thinking. Just episode 15, he's going to get the crew together. I don't know what Bill Burr has that'll allow him to find the ship, but I'm sure he has it. And then chapter 16 confrontation and hopefully we get grogu back because i don't want to go into the end of season two with no grogu you know there's a come on now how do you how do you get people coming back for season three cliffhanger i guess we'll have a nice cliffhanger ending where's grogu not rogu all right i think that's gonna do it for us here this is a pretty long lengthy episode as always thank you for being a patreon thank you for subscribing we Hope that these uh, extra kind of pieces of content really hit the spot for you. If you got friends and you're telling them, I learned this, I learned that from this pod, just go ahead and encourage them to sign up for the Patreon. Uh, trust me, we got some great things coming up right now in the month of December on Patreon besides Darth Amin's Rule of Two. For Anthony Mays, I'm Amino Hassan. Thank you so much. And see you guys next week. Flank them, you idiot! Flank them, you idiot!